It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part uh, by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties, all of their properties. Hey, you're going someplace, you need to stay in a hotel, make sure you stay at a Holiday Inn property. It's where I stay. And hey, I got some better news. I got some better news. We can get you a discount. That's right. If you use our toll-free number, that's 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. We'll get you the Billy C. discount. Now, if you're like me and you can't remember numbers then just go to the uh, website www.billycboxing.com and click on the banner today's show is also being brought to us uh in part by the turning stone resort and casino and their big fight hbo fight tomorrow night if you haven't got yourself tickets and you plan on going visit our website billycboxing.com and click on the fight poster we'll get you the best prices available and in addition to that Demand the Billy C discount. Now, I promised I was going to be ringside. Unfortunately, I will not. Something came up, uh, and uh, I am uh, being forced to miss this one, but it's a good one. Don't you miss it. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part uh, by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet. It's available right now where all good books are sold, and you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And uh, by the way, if you're looking to get a signed copy, uh, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, uh, and uh, click on the book. Or if you're looking to get uh, multiple copies, which I just absolutely love, uh, then just drop me an email personally, and I'll hook you up with some special pricing. Billy at talking. Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Um, listen, the main uh, focus today is the biggest fight of this weekend Vasily Lomachenko uh, going up against Jorge Linares, uh, a world title fight. Jorge Linares has already accomplished 
uh, winning titles in not one, not two, but three uh, different divisions. And Vasily Lomachenko is going to try to match that feat on Saturday night. Uh, we also are going to be breaking down the uh, couple of fights on Friday night. Uh, Devin Haney against Mason Menard. I refuse to break down the Tony Harrison versus Ishii Smith fight. And the main reason is because Ishii Smith is the most boring fighter I've ever watched, except for Floyd Mayweather. So I am not uh, going to even entertain uh, any more of his fights. Why he keeps hanging on there. And then he cries about being robbed after he loses. Uh, so no. But instead... Uh, based on our discussions yesterday about the cruiserweight division, uh, I will be breaking down and predicting the cruiserweight matchup between Andrew Tabidi and Latif Coyote, as well as Saddam Ali, uh, Jamie Mugaya, Ray Vargas, uh, Asset Heart of Ocean, and of course the big fight of the weekend, Jorge Linares against Vasily Lomachenko. That's coming up in a little bit. Sal and I will break those fights down, give you our predictions. We may even open up the phone lines. We want to uh, uh, extend our Super Chat Thursday to Super Chat Friday. Why? Because we didn't get any Super Chats yesterday. So hopefully we'll get some today. But uh, before we... Uh, uh, get going with the breakdowns, and I got some emails to read. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, news bits uh, in the sport of boxing today that I wanted to talk about um, features a couple of interesting uh, things that have happened over the last 24 hours. Uh, first and foremost, Vladimir Klitschko. Um, you know, we were talking about him last week, uh, you know, matched up uh, uh, with a uh, basically a bunch of accolades uh, given uh, to him from Anthony Joshua. And um, Klitschko is, is kind of getting back in the news. And, and apparently um, he's uh, considering, seriously considering a comeback. Um you know, I saw some, uh, to get out of boxing for a second, I saw some headlines about uh, uh, some a, a football player who is considering uh, a, a comeback a, as well, uh, a guy that, uh, uh, well, I'm not even going to give him the, the props. But uh, uh, in any event, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, considering to, to make a comeback, uh, obviously he would want to go for... Uh, a big fight. I, I can't see Klitschko coming back for a tune-up fight first, but uh, uh, 64 wins, five losses, 53 coming by knockout. His last fight was against Anthony Joshua in April of last year. And um, if, in case you forgot, uh, his brother, uh, Vitaly Klitschko, is being inducted into the International Hall of Fame this year. Uh, I kind of forgot it till uh, my man Coach uh, reminded me. Uh, but uh, joining me right now, to get his thoughts on a possible re return uh, from uh, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, who isn't quite ready yet and is racing, uh, as he always does at the last minute here, is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Santacola. And Sal, do you think uh, Vladimir Klitschko will uh, return to the ring? And if so, what can he bring to the heavyweight division? Well, I think he brings a lot of thunder. I think he brings a lot. And I like Vladimir Klitschko and I think uh, uh, you know he has had a stellar career and it built it's hard it's hard to leave the sport of boxing and you know it's hard to say this was your last fight and especially for him to go out on on a losing note even though it was against a world champion uh, 
I think he's got some unsettled and unfinished business, and I think uh, he would probably like another opportunity at that title shot. I'm sure he's financially well off, and uh, he seems to be smart with his money, and he's made millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, the fight's been a while ago now, and he he had time to spend with his family, and, and, you know, it's probably nagging at him saying, hey, you know, I'm still in good shape. I could still get back in there. I still have a couple good fights in me. Let me get back in shape and train, and let's see how I feel. So he's been training, I'm sure, and he's been working out. He's been running a little bit, and he's going to turn on the juice, uh, not the canelo juice. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You like my line, huh? I like your line, pal. I'm going to plagiarize that a little bit. <laughs> so uh, so basically, 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 I think he will come back. And a guy of his stature, uh, not physical, but just of his accomplishments, he's not going to go in against anybody. Uh for a tune-up or so, I think he. Hey, you know it'd be a good fight. I got it. Why don't we put Klitschko in with uh, uh, Tyson Fury? Well, that was Tyson Fury's last fight. And speaking of Tyson Fury, I'm glad you brought him up. I saw some shots of him uh, yesterday. That this guy is. Uh, you know, people could say what they want about Tyson Fury. I- I've always been a fan of Tyson Fury. I know that he's kind of fallen off the uh well he, he kind of went off the deep end a little bit but let me tell you something if anybody is second guessing his commitment to his return to the ring all they got to do is look at some photos of him now the guy lost almost 100 pounds sal this was a guy that uh was walking around they, they were poking fun at his uh <coughs> tummy tum tum uh which uh, looked like a, a barrel <laughs> it looks like he was carrying around a barrel of monkeys but uh uh literally he's lost 100 pounds and looks great so at least uh and if you recall he's also changed his trainer and feels that uh he's uh, uh getting much uh much better at, at his game which he felt he was the best to begin with anyway so uh who knows man maybe uh uh, maybe he will make a big play, and and I, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you. Maybe a rematch between Klitschko and uh, Tyson Fury wouldn't be uh, out of the question. It would certainly uh, uh, make both of the guys some money. I got a quote from Klitschko uh, backing up his uh, uh, pots, you know, stating that he's making making some thoughts in that move. Uh, he says, uh, "You never say never." Hmm, they should do a, a James Bond episode about that. But anyway. Uh, he says, you should never say never. Uh, things can change. People often switch careers during their lifetimes. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was an athlete, then an actor, then a politician, then a businessman, and now he's involved in taking care of the planet. Uh, maybe if I feel uh, the time is right to help a certain charity, I'll get back in the ring. Uh, I've had great times in the last 27 years that I spent in the sport of boxing. I learned a lot, and I traveled a lot, which was my goal when I first started this boxing i've achieved what i never dreamed of i've done and experienced things that i've never even thought about i've learned that when some doors close others open it's all about life experiences and sport really is amazing i would quote nelson mandela here sport has the power to change the world because it's a global thing um wow very good. You know, uh, nobody ever said that uh, Vladimir Klitschko or his brother Vitaly Klitschko were a couple of dummies. They're both extremely yeah. intelligent. Um, and, you know, uh, boxing's a business, and if the money's right, 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him, I mean, uh, you know, return to the ring. You can't say that his performance against Anthony Joshua, I know the, the ending wasn't uh, the way he kind of planned it, but I got news for you. If he would have fought his entire career the way he fought Anthony Joshua, and I want to throw in Kubat Pulov because the fight against Kubat Pulov was a, a Tyson-esque type of a, a, an approach from Klitschko. This is a guy that we would be talking about much more. You know, because of his boring style, and let's face it, it was, you know, he doesn't get the accolades that he really should. He dominated the division for almost a decade, Sal. I mean, that, that you can't overlook. Well, no, and, and the way he was so dominant in the fashion that he would fight, I mean, why why change and do things? I mean, if if it not to say it comes victories come easy, they don't. I mean, you pay a lot of price in in the gym preparing for a fight, but the bottom line is, you know, he was so overwhelming uh, to so many opponents. You know, he never really had to get out of first or second gear on some levels, and when he did, yeah, we saw we saw a different uh, uh, fighter from him, and uh, you know, it was basically uh, as you say when you the heavyweight championship belt of the world for years upon years upon years well almost a decade you know you 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 have a lot to uh be proud of and uh you know you've beaten any and all comers for a long time so you know it's hey it is what it is i'm i'm glad to see him come back because like i said he uh he uh, still has some fight in him, I could tell. So uh, I, I wish him all the best, and I'll look forward to uh, following his comeback. And I hopefully uh, he'll he'll uh, he'll be be uh, fairly treated and uh, have some good opponents, and uh, we'll see some good excitement from him. Uh, we're also getting some uh, opinions on the possibility of a, uh, a Klitschko Tyson Fury rematch, and uh, so far thumbs up. So uh, uh, we'll yeah. see. We'll keep you posted on that. One other thing I wanted to uh, mention that uh, kind of caught my attention in the news yesterday um, or late yesterday, which will be more prominent in today's uh, uh, news. But um, once again, I'm being baffled, Sal. I, I say baffled over the WBA, okay? No, now, come now, on. I, I, I know, I know it's strange. I know it's strange. But the WBA, is, not right, the, you know, the WBA hey. in my opinion, they continue to do things that, in my opinion, would force people to totally disregard them as a serious, legitimate sanctioning body. And and wait till you hear the, the latest, okay? okay. Now, Bibat Shumanov. Bibat Shumanov was uh, a former two-divisional world uh, title holder. His last uh, title was uh, actually the WBA Cruiserweight title. And um, because of an injury, uh, separation, uh, he had some uh, real major problems uh, with his eye socket, uh, some separation of nerve damage, et cetera, et cetera, wow. and he retired. Now, he was uh, a guy that, um, you know, he's, a, he's another smart uh, fighter. You know, he's, I think he's an attorney by trade. And uh, Anyway, uh, Biba Chumanoff has announced that he was going to be coming back. This, this actually was uh, uh, several months ago, I recall, and it kind of went to bed a little bit. You know, I didn't hear anything else. I figure eh, maybe he changed his mind or whatever. And uh, lo and behold, it comes back that he's going to be making a comeback. And you would think, just like we were mentioning uh, moments ago, uh, that you would think that a guy 
that has been out of the uh, uh, you know ring for quite some time would would want a tune-up fight. Nay, nay, Bibat Shumanov has been granted a shot at the vacant WBA World Cruiserweight title. Incidentally, wow. the same title that's been vacant since he vacated it. And keep wow. in mind, his last professional fight was May 21st in 2016. So it's almost two full years that Shumanov hasn't even been inside the ring. And oh, by the way, he had announced his retirement within that two years. So you would think that the WBA could have found somebody to pay their sanctioning fee so that they could hand him the belt. This guy automatically gets a shot at, a, at their world title. But wait, there's more because it there's gets more? even better than that. His opponent, his opponent uh, is uh, Hizni uh, Altakuye, and I'm sure I uh, uh, murdered that poor man's uh, name. His, his record is 30 wins and one loss with 17 of his wins coming uh, uh, by knockout. He's uh, a Turkish fighter who actually is residing and fighting out of Germany right now. The computer ranks him, Sal, get this, at number 71. Why even have this fight take place? Why is the WPA even sanctioning a fight like this? This is exactly my point about fighters who get the opportunity because they shell out the coin and the young guys that are in the gym busting their asses for an opportunity get bypassed. And I could see many young fighters saying to themselves, why bother? What's your thoughts on a guy who's been out of the ring for two years fighting a guy that the computer sees is the 71st ranked fighter in that division. I'll tell you, it's not right. Not right. I think, you you know, I don't care if it's Klitschko. I don't care if it's Tyson Fury. I don't care if it's uh, uh, this guy. You, you, you can't go right into a title fight. And when you've been out of the ring for more than two years, three years, and one year, you know what? You got to pay your way. You got to at least fight a top 10 contender first or something like that. And this guy who's ranked by the – he's got to be ranked in top 10 somewhere by WBA, right? Who? Shumanov? The uh, guy he's fighting that's ranked number 77. Well, well, if he's not – he's ranked number 71st in the, in the computer rankings. Yeah. But I would be I, – I, I didn't even look, but, I, you know, of course, of course he's going to magically yeah. appear in those rankings. We all but know how still, that works. I know. We know. We know. But, uh, yeah, Bill, you know, it's, it's the, the, the almighty dollar. It, uh, you know, you could buy yourself a belt or buy yourself an opportunity for a belt or uh, um, buy a belt of scotch. I don't know what you want, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a shame. That's that's the, the integrity or lack thereof of the game. That's that's uh, that's always been part of it. It's just more now so obvious that, uh, you know, it's it's hard to defend. You can't really. It is what it is. Yeah, it's, you know, anybody that that would disagree with me concerning um, the uh, the level uh, of, you know, ranking, so to speak, that you would give the WBA compared to the other uh, sanctioning bodies. I, if this doesn't convince you uh, that I'm right, I, I, I don't know uh, uh, what else would. I, I just, it's, uh, it's pretty sad, but uh, in any event. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. We're only going to take two breaks today, so... Um, for uh, I shouldn't say that because the the uh, powers that be our television affiliates and radio affiliates get 
get teed off uh, at us when we uh, uh, when we bypass uh, <coughs> their opportunities. But uh, uh, in any event, we're going to take one right now. And when we come back, I got some emails to read. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Then, oh, by the way, we'll read some emails. Then we'll break down some big fights scheduled for this weekend. We do have our super chat going on in the uh, YouTube chat room. So if you have your any comments, questions, thoughts, predictions, whatever, uh, give us a super chat and we'll make it part of the show. We may even open up the phone line. Don't go anywhere. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could be with us today and um you know making comebacks uh at uh an uh, older age is, is nothing new but i you know i wasn't going to mention his name but you know former uh quarterback and and he's a hall of famer which uh, I don't, i'm not so sure he deserved to be in the hall of fame kurt warner He's 47 years old, and he's seriously thinking about making a comeback. He's actually reached out to some NFL teams. Uh, it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And if there's somebody willing to uh, write a check, there's uh, even more chances. Right, Sal? Yeah, absolutely. You know what they say? Today's 50 is tomorrow's 30, something like that. Today's 50 is it. today's 30, yeah, yeah. You, we, you and I both hope that, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, that's for damn sure. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, I also read there was another, there was a baseball player. I caught it, I, I but I can't recall who it was, who was either banned from the sport years ago or retired, and he's an older ball player, I think. And I, I heard that he was going to make a comeback, so huh. I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't uh, even know if it's in any regular... Uh, MLB, uh, ML, uh, MBL. Uh, I'm not sure, sure, but uh, I'll research that a little bit and get back to you. You're such a show. sport. You're such a sports nut. You know, you know it all. It's MLB. Okay, it's Major League Baseball. That's what so I said I have dyslexia. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You said it, then you were wondering if even that was right. But uh, uh, anyway, how about my first cup? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Maybe you should get a bigger one. Let's get started with some emails. This first one uh, is from uh, Daniel McKenzie. And he says, uh, Dear Bully C. Uh-oh. Bully C. I this, like that. This, That's this a one, nickname. I like that. This, this sounds, sounds like I'm going to get a beat in here. He says, okay, okay. I know. He emphasizes no. Uh, you hate the wait, fact. Wait, was it N O or K N O W? He actually he actually he actually did the right no. It's K N O W. But he says, okay, okay. I know. Oh, oh, oh. You hate the fact that Wilder claims he's the best, uh, but at least he's claiming something. Uh, okay, he says, uh, this past episode was the worst for me because you failed to specify who exactly was derailing the process of the, and he's putting, Wilder Joshua fight. 
Obviously, it's the AJ team. With Barry, Eddie, and AJ's comments combined, clearly tells you where the hang-up is coming from. Barry's saying that he wants AJ to wait. Eddie's saying the $50 million seems like a PR stunt. AJ backpedaling, saying the devil is in the details and he doesn't want to sell his belts or his soul, as if, he'd, as if he won, he'd still lose both. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, he wins the fight. He doesn't, you know, maybe he is scared of Deontay. I don't know. He says, uh, just means he's not sure if he'd win. Okay, I agree with that. He says, but in your review of why the fight isn't happening, you failed to separate the cause instead of the general, instead you generalized the issue. Please don't hold back and let Matchroom have it. Hearn is not bringing you to the UK and not putting you in his new deal because, just because you agree with him. Please tell it like it is. Sal, you're the man, but do some research, please. Um, <clears throat> well, um, I, I, listen, first and foremost, first and foremost, um, I, I, as far as blasting Eddie and AJ, I, 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 I stand firm, Sal, and everyone else listening. I stand firm with my opinion that, you know, just because... Deontay Wilder sent a text and a video directly to AJ and copied Eddie Hearn that he's offering $50 million. I'm sorry, boys and girls, and I don't care how ignorant you may be. That is not the way a deal is made. And to add to the fact that he says, well, we're not going to rescind a contract until AJ agrees to it verbally. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. I can agree to fight AJ myself verbally and not go through with it, and nobody can take me to court because there's no paper on it. And a verbal agreement does not usually hold up in court, and it would certainly not hold, this would certainly not hold up in court. So, with that said, I ask Daniel this where has, you know, the pounding of the chest, I'm the best, nobody wants to fight me, everybody's ducking me. Deontay Wilder, where's he been since this uh, alleged offer has been made? And the other thing is, is who's to say that the deal has not already been made? There was rumor that it was, that there was a, a two-fight deal made, that both fighters were going to have a preliminary fight. Uh, rumor has it, and some inside sources that are very good have already told me that the WBC has approved and they have said that the next fight for Deontay Wilder will be against Dominic Brazil. When the other side of the coin, Anthony Joshua, is required to fight Alexander Povetkin. Both fighters, well, let me rephrase that. Anthony Joshua is in a position to make another $20 million. Deontay Wilder, with his octopus grabbing hands in his pocket, he'll make another top uh, maybe $2.5 million. Now, listen. I agree that the fight should not be held up. I think that the fight should be next. I also agree that Eddie Hearn and Matchroom uh, is full of bananas when they say that the fight would only get 500,000 pay-per-views right now, and if they wait a year, that they would get 2.5 million pay-per-views. I think that's a lot of BS. And I also agree that both fighters' teams 
must be saying to their fighters that this is a risky fight. This is not a layup fight for Anthony Joshua, and it's certainly not a layup fight for Deontay Wilder. So listen here, Daniel. I I, I respect your opinion, and I feel you know that I I have called the spade a spade, and uh, I'm not happy with Eddie Hearn and AJ if they do decide to go in a different direction. I'm not happy with it. I've said time and time again, you know, you guys got to listen to the whole show. You can't just look at a title and make an assumption. Uh, Obviously, this is a show that took place a couple of days ago, uh, but the bottom line is this. The fight should be made this year. It should be their next fight. There's only one way to settle who the best is in any division, let alone the division that drives the heavy the that drives the sport, which is the heavyweight division. They need to get in the ring. You know, I, my only dislike for Deontay Wilder is the fact that he pounds his chest and says he's the best when he doesn't have anything to back it up except one name on his resume. But be as it may, Anthony Joshua needs to do the right thing and also back up what he's been saying, that he's willing to fight anyone, that he wants uh, to unify the titles, et cetera, et cetera. Now's the time to put up or shut up. Sal, what's your opinion? Well, you want my opinion? Because, you know, I, you know how I waffle. I'm political on all my, you know, answers. And I kind of well, I'm hoping for a middle. change. I'm hoping for a change. You know, what, what's your thoughts? I always say if two fighters want to get in a ring, the fight's going to happen. And I will say this, Bill, and you're not going to like it. I do feel that the fight is being held up more so on the Anthony Joshua side than I do on the Deontay Wilder side. And uh, I, I'm not going to let it be uh, unknown, but I, I do feel that uh, Anthony Joshua is more concerned losing to Deontay Wilder than I think Deontay Wilder is concerned about losing for, uh, to Anthony Joshua. And I do predict that Anthony Joshua will probably be beaten by Deontay Wilder. But the bottom line is that's neither here nor there. That's my humble opinion. And opinions are not predicated on a fact. They're just predicated on an opinion. So we will see what happens in the fact uh, uh, once these two combatants get in the ring. But I, I feel that uh, this fight's predominantly being held up and delayed and negotiated on a, on, a, on terms that that are, are definitely favorable to Anthony Joshua, not that it shouldn't be, but the bottom line is I think the, most of the, the holdup is from that side of the camp. And uh, uh, that's just my opinion. Like I said, I don't know. But that the way I look at the thing on a face value surface and everything else that I've heard uh, and read, it, it, it lets me to believe that the, the fight would have been made if, uh, if these two guys really, really uh, want to, to make that the priority of what's got to be done and I think majority of it is still in the minutia of working things out uh, and hopefully like I said we're going to just hear one day boom the fight signed sealed and it's going to be delivered but that That's one day should be that one day should be now you know the, well, the, it should be and yes. and how can you say I need you to back up what you just said how can you say that it's Anthony Joshua who's holding up, or Team Joshua that's holding up the fight right now, when the last time we've ever heard from the big mouth who's constantly pounding his chest, Bob Scott, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, that, you know, you, Sal, you said yourself, you're, you're, you're contradicting yourself. A contract is not made, or you can't even expect uh, someone to respond to something that is as shallow as a text or a tweet or a, or a video. I mean, show me something on paper. I can't listen. 
I fault both fighters, and I fault Eddie Hearn, uh, of course, because he's the only real promoter in the mix. Uh, you know, Deontay Wilder doesn't have a real promoter or a real management team behind him. He's got a bunch of snakes that are ripping him off. But the truth of the matter is, is I do agree that they're dragging their feet, and I hope you're right about them, you know, cutting a deal behind closed doors. That's the way it should be. But the truth of the matter is, is that when can anyone really, it, it, with an intelligent look, look at the way that this so-called $50 million offer was presented and then make the statement that even came out of Shelley Finkel's mouth, which is a joke, that unless AJ himself replies to it, we're not going to send a contract. So in other words, they'll send a contract um, after he says yes. And then if all the, 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 the pieces of that contract are, are not favorable, and he says, well, no, we can't do it. Are they going to say that he, he backed out of the deal? You know, I, I mean, I don't get it. That that's, is a very ignorant uh, thought process for people to, to think. I'm not saying you're thinking that way, but, you know, I mean, so how could you put the blame on Team AJ? I, I don't understand. Well, it's not so much putting the blame on Team AJ. I, I just think that uh, the nuts and bolts of this whole idea is, uh, you know, I, hey, you know what? I'm going to say something. Poor Deontay Wilder, and I mean it like this, and not that poor, but, I mean, the guy hasn't had any promotion. I mean, he should be a household name like an Anthony Joshua. He should have been uh, given opportunities as an ambassador to be a domestic world he middleweight, uh, world heavyweight champion, and he, he should have been promoted on certain stages and certain venues that he could be uh, uh, the, the notoriety and the promotion that he is a celebrated world heavyweight champion right here in New York from Tennessee or this one in Alabama, whatever. So the whole thing is this. I, I, I feel bad because he's got to be his own promoter. And, and that's why we get the bomb squad. That's why we get the, 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 the words and the rhetoric and things like that because he's promoting himself. He doesn't have a team of, of people that that uh, that really say, hey, we're gonna we're get, we we got you a, a talk show. We're gonna put you on. We got you this. We got you that. This guy should be celebrated. This guy should. He's a heavyweight champion. He's domestic. He's right here. You know, give me. I'll 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 promote him. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. The guy is a dangerous man, and he's a very good fighter. I like him. I'm a fan of Deontay Wilder's. And I want to see him get in a ring, and I want to see him show the world what he can hopefully back up. Listen, no one agrees. As, as a matter of fact, I've said it a million times. Nobody agrees with you more than me uh, concerning I, I concerning the, the lack of promotion. And it's sad that Deontay Wilder has had to do that himself. Um, it's extremely sad. But the facts are the facts. A contract, an offer of a deal has to be on paper, has to be. Um, but uh, anyway, listen, I'm over my break. Um, I just want to say this. We got a uh, super chat from my man, uh, Johnston Brown. And uh, he says, uh, hey, Sal, what are you on that Canelo juice again? He <laughs> says, uh, uh, name one fight where the A-side got offered money only without, what not, where they got offered money without even seeing a contract. No fight in the history of box, boxing has ever been made like that. And it's true. You know, oh, it's true. Uh, it's true, Johnson. You're 100% correct. 
I know that. But what it shows is what Deontay Wilder's cam wants to show, that he is more than willing to try and open up and to, to be receptive to get the dialogue, get things going. And like I said all along, I have to feel in my heart of hearts that what we as the outsiders looking in, spectators, fans, whatever we are right now at, this, at, at the level of boxing, we are not privy to really what is going on behind the closed doors. And that uh, is what I am hoping that uh, these guys are nailing out, ironing out, banging out. And that's what we're going to hear. <laughs> Sal, the forever, the forever guy trying to be a nice guy. All I can say is, uh, all I can say is this: Bomb Squad. Billy C will be right back. Hey, okay. fantasy. Bo- now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, you know, uh, it reminds me of, of, a, of a little... Uh, saying I, I, or situation or I don't know. It, it just reminds me of uh, uh, the one time when, when Teddy Atlas so calmly and coolly and collectively uh, asked uh, Timothy Bradley in between rounds of a, a world title fight, What do firemen do, Timmy? What do firemen, we're firemen, Teddy! We're firemen, Timmy! What do firemen do, Timmy? What do firemen do? And Timothy Bradley said, ah, put out fires? Put out fires, Teddy? Well, that's similar to what we got with the Bob Squad. I mean, come on, man. All this yelling and screaming. I, you know, it, it, sounds like, uh, it sounds like dinner at an Italian house, doesn't it, Sal? Easy. That's my family. All right? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm talking about my family. It's dinner. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. I, said, I, thought, I thought I got the last piece of lasagna. But uh, anyway, uh, we got I another. Love that. <laughs> We got another piece. We got we got another piece. I was gonna say we got another piece of lasagna coming. I, I'm sorry. We got we got uh, another email. I got let's see one, two more emails, and then we're gonna start breaking down the fights. Um, this email's from uh, uh, J- my man Jesse. Uh, he says, uh, "Hey guys, uh, Billy uh, should be a good week of fights. Are you gonna watch uh, Friday and Saturday night's fight? Of course I am. <laughs> uh, now nah, I was thinking about uh, hanging out." Uh, on my boat. Oh, oh, well, I may hang out on the boat. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, here are my picks. Mugaya, a late, wow, Mugaya, late TKO uh, stoppage over uh, Saddam Ali. Uh, Lomachenko, uh, late TKO stoppage over Jorge Linares. Ray Vargas over uh, Havosian. Haney over Menard. Uh, he says a good test uh, for the young fighter. And Tabidi, uh, TKO uh, late over Coyote. 
and he also is picking uh, Roberto Arizia to uh, knock out uh, Ruiz late. He says, Billy, what's your thoughts on Carlos Adames? Uh, he will be on the Lomachenko-Jorge Linares card. Is it someone to watch out for? I think so. I think he's a, a, a talented uh, young fighter, and uh, I believe that uh, uh, he will uh, uh, prove to be uh, a worthy uh, fighter to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I think it's a, a good test uh, for him, this fight. So, uh, yeah, definitely keep an eye on him. He says, uh, Billy, will the future of TV, will it be cheap and will it be accessible easily? I really think Hearn is talking boxing, taking boxing uh, to the next generation. He will take over the promotion if he keeps his words of making boxing great, making the best fights and promoting. Well, he's a promoter. Uh, Eddie Hearn is a promoter. At the end of the day, he wants to promote anything he does because that's where, how he makes his, his living. Um, you know, like I said, the future of TV, uh, you see, the problem right now is you have a different classification. You got television, you have internet, uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, cell phone connections, you have streaming, you have all, all these different discussions. Uh, definition so to speak but the truth of the matter is is that we all obtain these signals the same way today uh, for an example your cable television right is picking up the signal from a satellite so I happen to have a satellite service and I'm picking my signal up from a satellite it goes from satellite to my satellite to a box which takes it and converts it to a cable connection or in some cases a wireless connection well cable companies that are selling you internet service etc etc they're getting it the same way they're pulling it from a satellite they're putting it to their you know distribution uh center so to speak and then it gets uh handed out through their uh, network of cable that ends up going from their, uh, you know, operation command center to your house. The uh, same thing with the internet right now. Uh, the internet is is pulling uh, their signals and transporting it the same way, and it's getting to you either wirelessly or via a cable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, until everyone understands that this this data is being brought to you the same way and now we, uh, we, we, we don't classify everything, my prediction is it's just going to be called entertainment. And when you are a sports fan, specifically most people watching this show are boxing fans, all you care about is watching boxing, well, you're going to be able to buy a package uh, that is going to be geared towards boxing. So in the very near future, you're going to say, my primary interest is watching boxing on TV. So you're going to pay X amount of money a month, and you're going to be able to get all of the boxing events. That includes club shows that may be streaming, televised shows that may be on you know, ESPN networks or Fox networks, etc., cable network tel uh, uh, fights, and, of course, pay-per-view. That's the beauty of of having what they call personalized service as somebody that likes old movies might you know go in in that direction that's where it's going to be so that you uh, as the consumer will be able to watch or listen to whatever you like and your uh, you know service contract so to speak will be geared towards those interests you see the beginning of it now and we have been you and I could go on the same website 
And, you know, if I'm looking at fishing lures and Sal is looking at pantyhose, when he and I go to the same website, he'll see commercials for pantyhose and I'll see commercials for fishing lures. It's it's the cookies that are installed. We're on the same website. We're looking at the same stuff, but he's seeing commercials that interest him and I'm seeing commercials that interest me. And that's the way all of this is going to go, Sal. I, I mean, that's it's amazing. Bill, you know, that's, I listen to every word. And I have a better understanding from the education you just gave to me. Thank you so much. I want to sit down and talk to you about this a little more so you can further entice me or get me interested hey, in that. Hey, leave Mike Tyson out of this, Sal. <laughs> Don't, you know, come on. Mike Tyson has nothing to do with this. But uh, let, let's... Uh, oh, bingo. We haven't played bingo in a while. Oh, I know. Oh, you just got over that. Stop. Uh, but uh, anyway, we got one more uh, email. This is from my man uh, Johnston. Uh, and you can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. He says, good morning, my China plates, Billy C. and Sal. Uh, just in case you know, that's another one of those crazy uh, UK uh, say, statements. It's like, uh, uh, good morning, my, my men, you know, uh, my friends, whatever. Uh, Lomachenko versus Linares is the must-see fight of the year. I advise anyone who considers themselves even a casual boxing fan to make sure they watch this fight. I agree. He says, we have three uh, weight world champion in Linares taking on a guy who's vying to become a three weight world champion in just his 12th pro fight. He did have a, a 49,000 uh, amateur fights, but uh, that's besides the point. He says uh, Linares defeated two of the most well liked British fighters in Kevin Mitchell and Anthony uh, Kralla uh, twice. Uh, he beat uh, uh, Kralla. He says and ended up becoming a fan favorite uh, on these shores. Uh, I like Linares, but he's going to struggle against Lomachenko, who's a uh, slick operator. Look no further than his fight against Mitchell. The Londoner was outstanding before the stoppage, almost Lomachenko-like, and made Linares look ordinary. Uh, the difference is Lomachenko is in a league of his own and will be able to s sustain a high level of performance for the duration of the fight. I could see Lomachenko feeling out Linares in the opening exchanges, but once he's in the groove, he's unstoppable. He's a pleasure to watch. Yes, he's fighting at lightweight, but I honestly don't think the extra five pounds are going to make a blind bit of difference. Lomachenko, to win convincingly by a unanimous decision or even stop Linares late due to his corner throw in the tile. Uh, have a great weekend, guys. Great uh, breakdown uh, of that fight, Sal. And, yes. uh uh, what a great segue for us uh, to uh, break down, start breaking down, and giving our predictions uh, of the fights for the weekend. So first fight I'm going to uh, show and give you uh, my thoughts and, and breakdowns on uh, is a fight that's actually uh, not one of the main fights that are on television this week, uh, but I refuse to even give uh, Ishii Smith uh, any press uh, in terms of more than I'm already giving him by telling you I'm not going to give him any. Uh, so I picked a fight that is actually part of our conversation from yesterday's uh, show about the cruiserweight division. The cruiserweight division is an extremely uh, exciting division, and I wish that the uh, uh, fans here in the United States would support it as much as other fans outside the United States should support this division. This is a great division. The fighters' uh, maximum weight limit is 200 pounds. It's actually 199 because 200 pounds becomes a heavyweight. Um, and uh, generally, these guys are in good shape. Uh, they're big. They're strong. 
and they always put on they seem to always put on a good show well the top fights do anyway so let's kick it off with latif coyote uh fighting a uh, young fighter in andrew tabidi who's on the rise now uh, i'll start off with latif coyote because he's an interesting uh, uh guy uh, busted onto the scene a lot of uh uh, you know, people thought uh, this guy was going to be a major player. Uh, and so far, it hasn't worked out. He's 35 years old. He's from Nigeria. Um, he's working uh, out of uh, California. And as far as I know, he's still working with Freddie Roach. He's ranked at cruiserweight at number 97 uh, of, of free fall. Uh, this was a, a number one guy. He's a former uh, world heavyweight and cruiserweight title challenger. Uh, he had a bid for the IBO, a world cruiserweight title, against Antonio Tarver uh, back in 2012. And uh, Tarver ended up uh, testing uh, positive uh, for performance-enhancing drug, uh, resulting uh, in this fight being changed to a no decision. The same thing happened when he fought Luis Ortiz. Uh, Luis Ortiz uh, and he fought uh, for an, the interim uh, world title that Ortiz had at the time at heavyweight. And this time, Latif Coyote tested positive, but they made uh, that uh, knockout uh, loss uh, a no contest. He was uh, blown away um, in, uh, in one round. Uh, so uh, that fight uh, uh, got changed to a uh, no contest because uh, uh, of the uh, performance enhancing drugs. Um, he did uh, also uh, challenge for the uh, uh, WBA World Cruiserweight title, and that uh, result stand stood. Uh, he fought Denis Ledebev in Russia and got knocked out. Uh, his last four fights, one win, Two losses, one no contest. Um, very limited in skill. Uh, this guy doesn't throw enough punches. His record is 21 wins, two losses, one by knockout, uh, and 16 losses, even though he was technically stopped twice um, on his record because of the no contest and no decision fights. Uh, it's on his record as uh, being stopped once. He's got a 64% knockout ratio. He's uh, six foot and one half inches tall, happens to be a half inch shorter than his opponent. And he's got a 78 inch reach, which happens to be an inch and a half uh, uh, advantage. It's longer. When I look at his resume, um, the big names on his resume, he came up short against Keith Tapia, Dennis Ledebev, both losses, one by decision against Tapia and the stoppage loss against Ledebev. Um, he also had a 10 round decision over Nick Kisner. Uh, who was a built-up uh, fighter. So it's hard to give him credit for that win over a 16-fight a, a uh, fighter who was 14-1-1. All the big names uh, ended in either a loss or a no decision or no uh, contest. If you want to give, you know, look for uh, a couple of decent wins on his resume, Felix Cora Jr. and Matt Godfrey uh, are the only two. Now, he steps in the ring with uh, Andrew Tabidi. Andrew Tabidi is a young fighter. He's 28 years old, seven years younger than Latif Coyote. He's currently the NABF and USBA Cruiserweight Champion. The computer has him ranked at number seven 
in the world. 90 spots above a Latif Coyote. Uh, like I mentioned, he's a half inch taller and he's got a, a one and a half inch shorter reach. His record, a clean one, 15 and 0 with uh, uh, 12 of his fights coming by knockout, uh, an 80% knockout ratio. When I look at this guy's resume, his last three fights were against good opposition. Uh, the same Keith Tapia that fought uh, Latif Coyote, uh, he won a 10-round decision in 2016. Uh, he also beat um, uh, Qantas uh, Graves uh, via a six-round stoppage in uh, February of last year. And really, his biggest name on his resume uh, was a 10-round uh, unanimous decision over Steve USS Cunningham back in August. Uh, Andrew Tabidi is, is a more well-rounded fighter. He can do everything pretty good. I'm not saying he's excellent at everything he does, but he's a work in progress, especially at 28 years old in this division. He's got some time. Uh, I believe that because of Latif Coyote, he is he does possess extreme power, but he's limited with everything else. He's got virtually no defense. He seems to tire out, and at times he seems to not throw enough punches. With those three reasons, I'm picking Andrew Tabidi uh, to uh, further along his career and get uh, another uh, somewhat big name uh, on his resume. So I I'm picking Tabidi uh, in this one. Sal, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I like uh, how you broke those down and uh, those fighters down. And, and uh, I'll tell you, um, I think Coyote uh, is going to come up a little short on this end. Um, I am also going with Andrew DeBeady. Um Yeah, I, you know, it's a shame because the, the um, Latif Coyote uh, busted onto the scene and, and uh, was gaining some... Uh, uh, some fanfare and just uh, has fallen short. But uh, next fight is uh, one that's going to be uh, on tonight on Showtime. Devin Haney against Mason Menard. Now, uh, Mason Menard uh, busted onto the scene with a couple of devastating uh, knockout victories that uh, caught everyone's attention. But the truth remains uh, to be seen about uh, Mason Menard. First of all, he's uh, um, 30... Uh, uh, what is he, 39 years old, right? Or, uh, uh, yeah, 30, 39 or 30 years old. Um, um, yeah, 30 years old, I'm sorry. Uh, 10 years older than his opponent. I was going to say 39. I wish I was 39 again. Well, he's got a, a career record of 33 wins, 24 coming by knockout with two losses, and both his losses were knockout losses. He's got 153 rounds under his belt as a professional with 69 uh, percent uh, knockout ratio and he hasn't fought in over a year so he's not rated by the computer he's five foot six three inches shorter than his opponent and he's got a 67 inch reach which is four inches shorter than his opponent uh, when you look at this guy's resume in 35 professional fights he's actually only fought in my opinion three real fighters uh, in his total career and within those three real fighters he's got a record of two and one he was very, very protected on his rise. His first 30 fights really was fed nothing but cupcakes on the Louisiana circuit. Uh, early in his career, he lost to a 4-1 and one guy by knockout, so really his two losses are both by knockouts. His best two wins, the two that we got to see up front and close, uh, was a uh, knockout loss, and both of these were severe knockouts too, by the way, 
a knockout victory, I should say, over uh, UD Bernardo uh, back in 2016 up at the Turning Stone. I was ringside for that. And also for Bahirdo uh, Mamajanov, uh, knocked him out in, ten, in nine rounds of a scheduled 10-round fight uh, when he picked up the NABO uh, lightweight title. Uh, but then he lost it to Romendo Beltran, who knocked him out in seven and uh, basically took a beating for that fight. And uh, in his last fight, he got a win, eight-round uh, unanimous decision over the journeyman Carlos uh, Candieras. So, uh, you know, when you look at Mason Menard's, uh, uh, and, and by the way, back in Louisiana, uh, when you look at this guy's record, yes, he possesses punching power, uh, but uh, really hasn't uh, fought anybody. And once again, you know, this is a, a guy that has fell prey to being overprotected and yes, it looked like I was 100% wrong when he comes back and wins two big fights against big names or, or known names uh, and wins in devastating fashion. You, you, I was almost ready to say, well, there are exceptions. And then I think his true, uh, you know, colors came out. Now, he steps in the ring with Devin Haney. Kid's only 19 years old, 10 years younger than uh, uh, his opponent, Menard. He's ranked at number 97 in the super lightweight division. And keep in mind that uh, Mason Menard is uh, a little smaller. He, he's uh, only ranked, he's not ranked because he hasn't fought, but he, he's generally fought as a lightweight. Uh, typically when the A-side fighter comes in, this is what you're going to see, uh, especially with PBC uh, fighters. They're always fighting smaller guys or older guys, etc. In this case, Devin Haney's fighting a smaller, older guy. Um, but anyway, he's ranked at number 97 at uh, super lightweight or junior uh, um, welterweight, however you want to look at. Three inches taller at 5'9", four-inch reach advantage at 71 inches, 18-0 and 0 with 12 of his wins coming by knockout, has only fought 74 rounds. Um, the truth of the matter with uh, Devin Haney is he's never fought a real fighter yet. He hasn't. If you take a look at his resume, they've all been carefully uh, chosen fighters for him. Uh, he's got a 67% knockout ratio, uh, but against uh, a, uh, uh, a baker's uh, dozen of cupcakes. So um, he's really being tested for the first time in his career against Menard. How's this fight going to go? Well, you know, I think David Haney has a lot of pressure on him uh, to perform well. And the one thing he's got to do is make sure that his defense is tight because Mason Menard is a guy that can hit. Uh, and hit in a devastating uh, uh, fashion. You know, again, the lack of competition uh, that Haney's faced uh, could prove to be disastrous if he hasn't really had to work on his defense. I'm thinking that his team knows this, and I'm also thinking that youth and his size advantage uh, will prevail. He does have decent movement in the ring. He's going to need it against Mason Menard, but at the end of the day, I'm picking the younger, faster, more talented fighter uh, to win in his first step up uh, in, in competition. I'm picking uh, Devin uh, Haney on this one. What about you, Sal? Well, Devin Haney, I know he is the A-side. Everyone thinks he's going to win, and everybody uh, is pulling for him to win. I, I really do. I, I, I'm hoping we get something from the veteran. Uh, I like Mason Menard. I, I, I think he... He's going to get in the trenches and try to uh, try to teach his kid a lesson. I think it's going to be a good fight. 
Um, and uh, I I want to see if, if uh, Mason Menard could pull it out. I, I think he's the shorter opponent. He's got to work his way in there. He is about my size as a lightweight with a 67-inch reach. And I, I, I want to see what he could do in there. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Mason Menard just because uh, he's not the favorite. Good. And I Good. think I think uh, I think uh, I think he could bring more to the table than this young buck who hasn't really faced anybody could could uh, could be ready for. Well, you know, I, the power is always the equalizer. I mean, your idol, your idol, Deontay Wilder, he doesn't possess any skill either except for power. And look what it's got him—forty wins. So, um, yeah, you're right, and and I think that that is the equalizer. I'm picking Devin Haney because uh, I feel that his skill set is going to prevail. But you're mm-hmm. right. Uh, interesting. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that one. Uh, the next fight that uh, I'm going to pick is the uh, co-main event uh, for the uh, um, for the Saddam Ali Jamie uh, Mugaya Mungaya fight, and uh, it's uh, Azat Hoviosian uh, going up against. Um, uh, Jay- uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, he's going up against uh, Ray Vargas. Uh, Asat Hovosian is uh, never fought for a world title. He's 29 years old, which makes him two years older than his opponent. He's ranked at uh, uh, super bantamweight or, or junior lightweight, however you want to look at it, at number 15. He's five foot six with a one and a half inch shorter. Uh, who, that's one and a half inch shorter than his opponent, and he's got a four inch uh, reach disadvantage. His reach is 66 and a half inches. He's 14 and two. Um, 11 of his wins coming by knockout. He's never been stopped in the two losses. 70 rounds as a pro with a 69% uh, uh, knockout ratio. When I look at uh, Havosian's uh, record, he's been an exciting fighter. His nickname is Crazy. Um, He's been an exciting fighter, and we have gotten to see him fight several times. Um, But uh, the only real name on his resume that I want to give him credit for and don't get me wrong, I give all these guys credit for fighting anybody. I don't care if they're fighting their sister in the ring. It's just, you know, when we're looking at it from this perspective, when I say I'm not giving them credit, it's just because, you know, it's not a, a big, big uh, win. And I and I strongly believe that young fighters need to progressively increase their level of opposition in order to get better. Uh, I understand that the business of boxing forces, um, you know, fighters to uh, be held back because they're trying to protect O's, but... You know, my, my whole long-term opinion is that it hurts them, not helps them. But anyway, um, the only name on his resume that um, is, is a quality fighter is his last fight, and that was a knockout win over Ronnie Rios. Um, this is also a similar opponent uh, that Ray Vargas did not knock out. He went the distance, so keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, as I give you uh, my predictions. Uh, now, uh, Havosian steps in the ring. Havosian's an attack-style fighter. Uh, there's no question about that. As a matter of fact, he punches pretty hard. I'm surprised that his 14 wins um, all didn't come by knockout. Uh, he did uh, lose uh, uh, to Walter Santa Baines, who's 5-2. It was a majority decision in which he wasn't uh, busy uh, enough. And he lost his pro debut against a 1-0-1 fighter uh, by uh, unanimous decision. So uh, the only guys that went the distance with him were Sergio Frias, um, also uh, 
uh, Raymond Chacon, which was a four and four fighter, and uh, I think he had one other uh, uh, one other uh, unanimous decision. No, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, that's that. Um, he steps in the ring with the WBC Junior Featherweight World Champion. Uh, Ray Vargas is 27 years old, two years younger than Havosian. He's ranked at number four in the same division, super bantamweight or junior lightweight, however you want to look at it. Like I mentioned, five foot seven and a half makes him an inch and a half taller, and a 70 and a half inch, 70 and one half inch reach makes his reach four inches longer. He's undefeated as a world champion. 31 wins, 22 coming by knockout. He's got almost 100 rounds over Havosian in ring experience at 164. And he's got a KO um, percentage of 71. His last four fights were against top opposition. Going back to uh, September of 2016, he beat Alexander Munoz by knockout. In 2017, he beat Gavin McDonald in the UK by majority decision. In 2017, he beat Ronnie Rios via a 12-round unanimous decision. Now, remember, I said Hovosian was uh, fought. That was their only like opponent that Hovosian knocked out. And in his last fight, he fought Oscar Negeri uh, in December of last year, winning a 12-round decision. He picked up his world title uh, against uh, Gavin McDonald. It was a vacant title in the UK. So he's had uh, basically three successful uh, title defenses. Um, I said his last four were against top opposition. His last 10 fights have all been against good opposition. Ray Vargas has been moved exactly uh, the way I feel fighters should be moved. This guy's the real deal. He's proven it in the ring, and he hasn't had a, a, a cupcake uh, a path to where he is today. I think that this fight is going to be very entertaining, but at the end of the day, Ray Vargas is going to get another successful um, uh, victory, and I would not be surprised if he stops the power punch in Havosian. What's your thoughts on this one, Sal? Well, I'm a fan of Ray Vargas. I think he's going to uh, prevail. He's got uh, some good experience underneath his his uh, win wins, and I uh, I too uh, think that Ray Vargas will uh, will will pull out a victory, um, whether it goes to a decision or that he can't stop this guy later in the fights, later in the round, um, later in the rounds. It, it, it's very possible and you know this guy's only got 16 professional fights under his belt and uh you know that's almost half of uh, a little more than half of what uh, ray has a total bout so um and not that that's a deciding factor i just think that ray's experience and and what he's shown in the past is going to prevail and uh, so i'm picking ray vargas well, good. We're back on uh, back on track with uh, agreeing with each other. The next fight is the co-main event. Uh, actually, the main event of the uh, HBO uh, fight that I was supposed to be ringside. Um, a somewhat last substitute uh, for Janie, uh, uh, Jamie uh, Mungaya uh, is going up against uh, a newly acquired champion who won his title in his last fight, Saddam Ali. So we'll start off with Jamie Mungaya. Uh, he's ranked at number 18 at uh, uh, junior middleweight. He's only 21 years old. Uh, he's got a record of 28 wins, 24 coming by knockout. Uh, he's got 86 rounds as a pro with an 86% knockout uh, punch ratio. Uh, this is a guy that uh, obviously uh, packs a punch. The only problem is most of these punches that he packed uh, all took place 
uh, on uh, uh, undercards either uh, in Mexico, uh, most of them in Mexico. He did fight uh, in uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, one time. Uh, actually, no, I'm wrong. I, oh, no, he fought in uh, the U.S. Uh, one time in Vegas. Uh, but uh, for the most part, his fights have been in Mexico. Um, you know, I, when I looked at his resume, when I when I first looked at this guy, who I honestly has flown under the radar, when his name was being mentioned as a possible opponent for Triple G, I didn't really, nobody jumped out at me on his resume. But as I looked at it a little deeper for this particular fight, he does have four wins uh, against uh, some decent uh, fighters, two of them against the same guy, Johnny Novetti, uh, who he knocked out once and won a unanimous decision. Uh, I think his last three fights were all uh, good and known opponents. Uh, at the uh, aforementioned uh, Novetti in his last fight, which was March of this year, he also uh, fought in February of this year when he beat Jose Carlos Paz, uh, and uh, he fought in December of last year against Paul Venezuela Jr. Three big fights, all relatively uh, close. Uh, the uh, December 9th fight, and then two months later fighting on February 2nd. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, uh, February 10th, and then uh, again in March. So he's been a busy fighter, which means a lot uh, in uh, in the uh, large uh, scope of things. Now he steps in with Saddam Ali. Saddam Ali uh, has uh, almost twice as many rounds as him at approximately 160 he's eight years older at 29 which is kind of kind of surprising when you hear a 29 year old and he's stepping in the ring with a guy that's eight years younger than him at junior uh middleweight he's number four ranked at number four five foot nine 73 inch reach he's the wbo junior middleweight champion he's a former world welterweight title challenger uh he's 26 wins 14 by knockout and uh one loss by knockout and that loss uh, came at the hands of jesse vargas um he's got some big wins against uh a couple of uh, big names uh johan perez uh, Francisco Santana, Luis Carlos Abreu, and of course, his last fight, who he won the title from, Miguel Cotto, went 12 rounds with him. Um, the Miguel Cotto fight is the fight that I really look at when I am trying to pick a winner in this fight. Miguel Cotto obviously was way past his prime uh, when he fought Saddam Ali, but what Saddam Ali did was outboxed Miguel Cotto. Miguel Cotto uh, known for his power punching, known for a guy that comes in and works his body, etc., etc. Um, and, uh, you know, Saddam Ali was able to withstand that. Um, when I look at Jamie Mugaya, I look at a similar fighter with power. I think he's an extremely live underdog in this fight. Uh, however, I think that Saddam Ali, uh, if he was able to keep Miguel Cotto off of him, I, I would be shocked if he can't keep Mugaya off of him. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Mungaya has extreme punching power, and that is the equalizer, like we've always said. But in this particular fight, even though he's eight years older, um, you know, I've always said that once a fighter, and fighters have backed me on this, once a fighter becomes a champion, it kicks up their game a notch. That's what I'm expecting from Saddam Ali this weekend. I think he's going to win this fight. I think Mungaya is going to go for the knockout, eventually run out of gas, and Saddam Ali is going to win this fight. I think it may go the distance, and I wouldn't even be surprised if Saddam Ali uh, wins by stoppage. But make no mistake, 
Um, Mungaya is a, a, a very, very uh, live underdog. I'm going with the champ in this one. What's your thoughts, Sal? I think I'm going to go with the champ on this one, too. And I, I, I believe, you know, when I did see the fight against Cotto, and uh, he did outbox him, and he took the fight uh, to another level. And even though it wasn't older aging Cotto, um, I never expected to see Cotto uh, uh, lose to uh, Ali the way he did. So I, um, I I like what the guy has. I think he can uh, prevail. And uh, Mungaya, I'm sure, is going to bring a good fight to the game and to the ring. And uh, it's going to be a hard-fought fight. And uh, I see uh, Ali winning either by decision or, as you suggested, maybe a late-round stoppage. Do you, do you think that he's going to uh, – you think that he will be able to make the distance, you think, Mungaya? I think he can. I think he can. I mean, he's got some experience in, underneath his uh, wins there, and I think that, uh, you know, he can uh, go. He's going to be throwing some bombs, I'm sure, trying to get uh, Ali early, and um, I, he may punch himself out. That's why I may may say it could be a late-round stoppage. But uh, if not, I think he, he does have enough fuel and tank to make the distance. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, I think I caught um, uh, earlier in one of the chats – that coach actually said he's picking Mugaya on this one. And if you recall, uh, coach is a, a big fan of, uh, uh, of Saddam Ali, or at least, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, he's also uh, stating some, uh, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's saying in the chat room he's going against his heart and he's picking Mugaya. Based on their amateur uh, pedigrees, Mugaya has 128 wins uh, and 10 losses as an amateur. Um, and uh, Saddam Ali is 89 and 19, uh, but uh, he feels that uh, he does have the boxing ability. He's converted to a, more of a power puncher uh, as a pro. So, uh, and coach is usually right on. So maybe we're yeah, both maybe we're both wrong. All right, now for the fight of the weekend might even the be a lot of, of people think it might be the fight of the year. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko is taking on Jorge Linares. I got some uh, final quotes from these guys. Jorge Linares says, I've been working hard for the last few fights preparing for this fight. I knew Lomachenko wanted it, and I wanted it. So I was very confident that Golden Boy, Tiakin, and Top Rank were going to get this done. The last two opponents I faced were Southpaws. Purposely, I faced Southpaws. I was preparing psychologically and physically to fight Vasily Lomachenko. I've had him on my radar. I believe, and trust me when I say this, the fight is going to get more intense as the rounds go on. Vasily Lomachenko said, I want to thank Linares for taking this challenge. Saturday night, it's going to be a good bout, and we're going to find out who the best is. This, uh, this way, uh, I'm sorry, the way this bout is going to go, who knows? It's boxing. It's going to be a fight, and after that, we're going to see. Um... Early, some early quotes by villain uh, Lomachenko were suggesting that he was going to make Jorge Linares quit uh, the way he did with uh, his last uh, opponent. So let's take a look at these guys. Uh, first and foremost, the champion uh, in the division that they're actually fighting at, um, Jorge Linares, is the WBA uh, world lightweight champion. I do value him as a champion, even though he happens to be wearing the WBA belt, which I give no value to. But in this case, they got themselves a good champion in Linares. Uh, he's a former world featherweight and junior lightweight champion. So he's a three-title 
title holder. He's uh, 32 years old, which is actually two years older than Lomachenko. Lomachenko was a guy that had an, an extensive, and I do mean extensive, amateur career. So, in a sense, he started off late. Um, Linares from Venezuela, uh, living and training out of uh, Japan right now, is ranked at number one in the world at lightweight. He's five foot eight, one inch is tall, one inch taller than uh, Vasily. He's uh, got a uh, sixty-nine inch reach, which is three and a half inches taller uh, than uh, Lomachenko. His record: forty-four wins, twenty-seven coming by knockout, uh, and he's got three losses. All three losses came by knockout. Um, you know, his first loss came way back in 2009 against Juan Carlos Salgado. He was knocked out quickly in the first round. Uh, he followed that with two wins, one against Francisco Lorenzo and once one against Rocky Juarez, who was uh, uh, aging at the time. And he also beat a, a guy that I absolutely uh, love in uh, Jesus Chavez, a, a, a guy that uh, is an extremely exciting fighter. He, he uh, beat him. Uh, uh, Chavez uh, had to retire on a stool and then he fought Adrian uh, Verdungo beat him then he stepped in with one of my favorite fights of all time he stepped in against Antonio DeMarco now why is this fight one of my favorite fights of all time well first of all I'll tell you why uh, first of all Jorge Linares <laughs> dominated this fight I mean this fight was like a boxing clinic of how you, uh, you know, just beat the snot out of your opponent and, you know, uh, display the sweet science. And that's exactly what Jorge Linares did. Battered, battered Antonio DeMarco uh, for uh, uh, 10 rounds. 10 rounds, okay? And really, this fight could have and should have been stopped. I mean, this was the beating that DeMarco was taking. I mean, uh, Jorge Linares looked like he was the best fighter ever to lace on a pair of gloves. Then in between rounds, DeMarco's corner says, uh, Tony, you need to win by knockout, so you, you got to go knock him out, okay? And Tony DeMarco looks up, and I'll never forget this, looks up and says, okay, and goes out and knocks out Jorge Linares in, in, the, in the 11th round. It was one of the most... Fantastic come from behind victories on Antonio DeMarco, from, you know, uh, on De Antonio DeMarco's part. Uh, this was a, a, an older fighter, a guy that was considered washed up, etc., etc. Knocks out Linares. Linares comes back uh, a month later, trying to get back up on the bike. Fights a twenty-one and two Sergio Thompson and gets knocked out again in the second round. Everybody thought that his career was over. And he was kicked to the curb. He came back. He continued to fight, worked his way back up. Uh, like my man uh, Johnston said earlier, he had uh, stoppage wins uh, over Kevin Mitchell, two uh, uh, decision wins on to Anthony Kralla. Uh, in his last two fights, he beat Luke Campbell uh, with a uh, split decision. And in his last fight, uh, in a fight that was exciting, um, Mercito Gesta, uh, another power puncher. Jorge Linares possesses hand speed like you wouldn't believe. His accuracy is great. The problem with Linares is sometimes he seems to take his foot off the gas or run out of gas. I'm not sure which is what it is. Um, he becomes complacent if he doesn't get the knockout. Sometimes he seems to wait a little bit and then puts you know puts his pedal to puts the pedal to the metal. He, he's an extremely exciting fighter. 
uh, considering he's going to be bigger, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It sounds, based on his quotes, but then again, all the quotes always sound great, that he's been prepared for this fight and is extremely, uh, has extremely been looking forward to it. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Now, he steps in with Vasily Lomachenko. Vasily Lomachenko is by far uh, one of the top pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighters in the world today, if not the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter. I believe that Vasily Lomachenko is the true definition of the sweet science. This is a guy that can hit you at will while you're standing right in front of him and you're throwing your best shots as quickly and as fast and as accurately as you can, and you can't hit the guy. And meanwhile, he's tattooing you uh, while he's still in range. That, my friends is called the sweet science not hit a guy once and twice once one one two three and then you're at the other end of the uh, ring where he can't hit you but you can't hit him Vasily Lomachenko it's beautiful to watch him and it's true his last uh what is it his last four fights have all been uh ended with his uh opponents uh either quitting on the stool or uh their uh corner uh, throwing in the towel. Rigandau, the two biggest names that quit on the on the stool, Guillermo Rigandau and Nicholas Walters, both were supposed to be uh, big fights uh, for the division, and Lomachenko made these guys uh, look ordinary. Who's he got wins under his belt? Well, this was the guy that came out, turned pro, beat Jose Ramirez, who was 25-3 and three in his pro debut, and then immediately fought for the vacant uh, world featherweight title against Orlando Salido. And learned a valuable lesson that just because you're skilled, uh, the pros are different than the amateurs. Pros get away with a lot of stuff. And Orlando Salido used all the tricks in the book to sneak and just squeeze out a split decision win and win that title. Uh, did it deter Lomachenko? No. He came back and beat another guy who's a current world champion right now who I love to watch and Gary Russell Jr. Uh, beat him in a 12-round decision. Uh, followed that uh, beating uh, Siraya Takalum, uh, which who was 51-0. and 0, uh, I'm sorry, 51-1-0. He beat Gamalia Rodriguez, another uh, talented fighter at 25-2-3, uh, and three, knocked him out. And then uh, Romomio uh, Kasoka beat him. Roman Martinez, Nicholas Walters, Jason Socia, Miguel Mariaga, and Guillermo Rigadao all wins um, for Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, he is a southpaw, but as you heard, uh, he is uh, uh, his opponent, Lin Ayers, is uh, uh, prepared for a southpaw. It's easier said than done. He is two years younger. He's ranked number one at super featherweight, uh, so he's moving up and attempting uh, to win his third title. He's currently uh, the uh, WBO World Junior Lightweight Champion, uh, three and a half inches shorter reach, one, one inch shorter in height, uh, 10 wins, one loss, eight of his wins coming by knockout, less than 100 rounds as a pro, 73% knockout ratio. Who's going to win this fight? This is a tough fight to pick, man. It really is. I, I, I love Lomachenko. I love him. Linares is the real deal. Uh, you can't even go with youth versus age because they're very similar in every aspect. You know, the experience level as a pro goes to Linares. The overall experience goes to uh, Lomachenko. I, listen, I think, you know, every so often, every generation uh, produces special athletes. And I really believe that uh, Lomachenko is one of those special guys. And I'm not taking anything away 
from Jorge Linares because Jorge Linares is a special fighter as well. Unfortunately, somebody's got to lose this fight, and I hope someone does lose it. I hope we don't end up uh, it with a terrific fight and then having it go to uh, the scorecards and we end up uh, talking uh, on Monday about Adeline ha- Burns, ha- right? A, a yeah, judge, I don't know, but uh, end up talking Monday that you know it shouldn't have been a draw. Uh, but listen, just put your seatbelt on and watch this fight and enjoy it because this is going to be a classic. You know, a lot of times we hope that fights become classics and then and then they become anticlimactic, like Pacquiao Mayweather was. You know, we we waited five years for the fight and you know it was anticlimactic. This is not going to be anticlimactic. It's going to be a good fight. I see it starting fairly quickly. I do believe we are going to see a feel-out round, but that's it, just one. Who am I picking? It's hard to go against a special fighter like Lomachenko. I think this is another step in uh, all-time greatness for him uh, if he's not already in that mix. I think a win over Linares will make him, uh, you know, hands down, pound for pound, number one in the world today. I'm picking Vasily Lomachenko in what I think, Sal, is going to be extremely exciting and interesting uh, fight that I just can't wait for. Your thoughts, please. I'll tell you what, Bill. Uh, nobody breaks down the fighters like you. And uh, I'll tell you, I I am a big fan of Vasily Lomachenko, and I do believe he is pound for pound one of the best fighters out there today. And uh, there's so many great things that this guy can do. He could box. He could punch. He's in position. He's he's everything you would want to see. And and he does personify the definition of the sweet science on so many levels. I like the the way Orey Lanier's fights. Uh, he's my kind of fighter. He he gets it rough and tough and tumbly, and he. Uh, He's not afraid to stand in a pocket and fight. Uh, he's had some good experience. He's a good fighter. He's a solid fighter. He's fought everybody they put in front of him. He's had a few losses. He's had a few stoppage, stoppages. But uh, I, th- I tell you what, I, I think that uh, uh, it's, a, it's a hard one. You know, if I was to say I was a betting man and uh, the smart money is going to be on Vasily Lomachenko, that's where I'd put my money. Uh, if I'm saying, you know, I'm pulling for the underdog, uh, in this case, I think uh, Jorge Liniers may be considered uh, an underdog, even though the odds are pretty even here. Um, I'd want in my heart of hearts to see Liniers win. Um, with that being said, my head's going to think that Vasily Lomachenko could probably uh, come out uh, victorious here, but uh, I want to go with Liniers. I want to go with Lanier's just based on some uh, some things that maybe the stars are aligning for him tonight, and uh, who knows? And uh, it'll be interesting. I think you hit it on the head. It's going to be a great fight. I think it's lining up to be a classic fight, and I think we're going to see maybe a fight of the year right here. We'll see. But uh, uh, for some reason, I, I, I want to see uh, Jorge Lanier's to uh, come out the victor. Now, what what makes you think? Just give me give me some reasons why you think he he's going to win. Like you know, like give me some some technical reasons. Like what is he showing you that you think is going to help him with Lomachenko? Well, I don't think it's too much the element of surprise stepping up uh, 
to be a lightweight because he's done it himself, Jorge Lanier's. He's come up from uh, lighter weight classes. But he's got that going for him. He's a bigger guy right now. He's filled out a little bit. Um, he's got fast hands. Um, I think he's got some experience on his side uh, to fight styles like uh, Lomachenko. I think in his mind, at least what he's sharing, he's been preparing for this kind of fight. And it's not going to be one that he's going to be surprised uh, going in a style against uh, Lomachenko. So I think he's done everything he's he could have done to be well prepared for this kind of fight. Whether Lomachenko just 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 disproves all those uh, pre- preparation uh, steps uh, is going to be what an artful boxing masterful fighter will do, uh, and it doesn't matter how well you prepare. Uh, but I think Jorge Lanier's has a lot to prove to himself. He, he, he's got a lot of fight in him. He doesn't quit. And uh, unless he's caught on a button, which he has been caught several times, I don't know if uh, Vasily Lomachenko has the punching power to stop him. But uh, we, we, we've seen definitely he's got some uh, ability to hurt a fighter. So I think if Jorge Lanier's is able to continue a fight and go on, I think his experience in the end just being in a position and knowing that you know that he he has been in uh, the lost column before uh I, I i just in my heart of hearts i think he he has what it takes to possibly put up a real good fight to uh to uh beat lomachenko well it's going to be interesting to see uh what happens I mean, you know, that's why they make the fights, and that's why uh, I-, I love this matchup, to be it's honest. It's a great match. I mean, it really is. It's a great match. Uh, it's it's something that uh, we're going to have an opportunity to really uh, really dissect, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it Monday morning, and then uh, I'll be eating mud or uh, something. But like I said, I, I not to contradict myself, I, I just, if I was to put money on the fight, would I put it on Lomachenko? Depending on the odds. If the odds are are, are big, I'd probably put it on Lanier's. That's all. Well, Lanier's is, is fast. You know, I think his hand speed and his punching accuracy um, are going to be. An That's important. what I like. Yeah, it, it's going to be an important, uh, uh, you know, factor in this fight, of course. But, you know, sometimes and, and, and I shouldn't even say sometimes. Most of the time uh, what happens is when great fighters are are put to the test and they're facing uh, other great fighters it brings out the best uh, which is a scary thought when you think about Vasily Lomachenko if we haven't yeah. even seen the best of this guy yet and if Jorge Linares can bring it out we're in for quite the surprise on on Saturday night Sal now if if we have seen the best I think your uh, breakdowns and, and prediction of this fight could easily come come true because um you know despite the fact that Lomachenko has fought uh you know some good opposition he has not fought uh a, a, a talented opponent like Jorge Linares especially one is you know bigger than him like Linares is, is bigger uh, but you know the other thing that I I wonder about is the mileage on Linares Linares has been stopped he has righted the ship, so to speak. Does that catch up with him? Will it catch up with him on Saturday night? We haven't seen Lomachenko hurt yet. We haven't seen him 
really, I mean, the, the, the closest fight that, that he was in was the loss against Salido. You know, so, I mean, you know, Linares is going to do one of two things, upset the apple cart and make you look like a genius, uh, or uh, really give us an opportunity to see how good Lomachenko is. You know, not looking ahead, but if he beats Linares, uh, they are talking, at least Bob Arum is talking, uh, about a, a possible catchweight fight uh, between him and Manny Pacquiao, which would be another interesting fight. Uh, but uh, but we'll all have to wait and see on that. It, it's I can't wait to see this fight. I, I'm, I'm glad it was made. It was made quickly. No BS. Uh, none of this uh, kind of shenanigans that are going on between uh, Wilder and, and AJ. And uh, the end result is, is we're going to get uh, some great uh, coverage. We're going to get, uh, there's a lot of talk about it. And this is what boxing needs. Fighters that want to fight each other and actually step in the ring. These two wanted to fight each other. They both told all the promoters involved, make the fight, and the fight was made. That's why I always wonder what really is going on between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Both fighters have said they want the fight. Both sets of promoters have said they want the fight, but the fight's not being made. You know, uh, it makes you wonder, you know, you've said 100 million times yourself, at the end of the day, it's up to the fighters. You know, if Deontay, and, and if Deontay Wilder is trying to use, I'll give you 50 million to fight me, but you got to answer, if that's his way of saying, hey, I'm calling you out mano a mano, that's, that's not how you do it, though. You know, nobody ever said Deontay was a smart guy, but the truth of the matter is, is he's not being uh, advised correctly. So at the end of the day, Lomachenko and Jorge Linares show that two guys that, you know, wanted each other, uh, despite their promoters maybe not wanting the fight, made it happen. And they settled to settle it. You know what I mean? They both settled to fight each other to settle it in the ring. And that's really the name of the game, Sal. Well, you said it so well. You're absolutely right. And like I've always said, if two fighters really want to fight each other, there's <laughs> not going to be too much bull or rhetoric or dancing. They're going to sign a contract. They're going to knock out a deal, and they're going to fight each other. And my my applause to um, Vasily Lomachenko and Jorge Lanier's because you have two fighters that did want to fight each other, and uh, bingo. Here goes that word. <laughs> it's happening. Now, you know, it, it, it just befuddles me, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe they want to tease it, marinate it, do whatever they got to do to get the excitement or level up the attention. Uh, but I'm hoping uh, that they're going to come out very shortly with the whole deal being settled and signed with uh, Deontay Wilder finally facing Andy Joshua. And not to oh, we always rehash this, but, you know, even even – Hey, if either if both fighters are so confident that they're going to beat the other fighter, I mean, I could make an argument uh, for Deontay Wilder to say, hey, you know what? I'll take lesser of the half. I'll do this the first time because I'm going to beat you, but I want a backloaded contract, like I always said, where you're going to have to uh, give me uh, uh, my makeup money from the first fight that I'm, um, that I'm sucking because I know I'm going to beat you. And the same thing on, on Anthony Joshua's part. You know, if he gets a front-loaded deal where it's favoring him, you know, he's got to realize that there's going to be more on the line if he if he gets a rematch and and uh, maybe the second fight, if Anthony Joshua does win, it's got to be a little more evenly uh, distributed. And if he doesn't win, uh, you know, he's got to be the, the B-side coming in with the lesser of the fortune. Who knows? But that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're knocking that deal out. Maybe they're trying to do it. 
But what I love to see, and I, I applaud uh, the camps and these two fighters, you have Vasily Lomachenko, a world champion, facing Jorge Laniers, a world champion. Why? Because both these fighters wanted to face each other to prove who's the best. So congratulations to these two warriors. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you hit that one on the head, that's for sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the fighters made the fight happen, and that's what real fighters do. They make the fight happen. You know, fighters that, that say, well, hey, I want to fight you, but I don't make those decisions. My promoter makes that. that that's, that's, that's the same thing as saying, I don't want to make an excuse, but, but you know, yeah, right, uh, yeah. anyway. Um, okay, our trivia question. Okay. Uh, it's a tough one, I get it. And I'm going to give a really, really good hint today. Um, as a matter of fact, the hint is so good that I would be shocked if we don't get a winner on this. Uh, so, again, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer to today's uh, trivia uh, question, Billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n b-o-x-i-n-g dot com you'll win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game here's the question and then i'll give you i'll read it one more time and then give you the hints what do ted kid lewis dave shade and young stribbling all have in common if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin Boxing, that's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. So let me read it one more time, this time with not one, not two, but three hints. Wow. What did Ted Kid Lewis, Dave Shade, and Young Stribbling all have in common? Well, Based on an incorrect answer that coach gave, I'm using that as a hint. They all had 200 fights, over 200 fights each, but that wasn't the uh, answer. Um, they, what was the other thing uh, I said that they did? Um, uh, what was the other hint I had? I had another hint, too, that I mustn't have written down, but here's the, here's the, the big hint. Here's the big hint. Um, all three of these guys... All right, all three of these guys. The answer of what they uh, have in common has to. Oh, I know what the other. Uh, I know what the other. The hint was. I didn't write it down. I said another thing that they all had in common is they all reached a certain uh, uh, goal or plateau um, at the same time, kind of. Uh, but the third hint is all three of these guys uh, did something unique and it had to do with their age their age okay so those are the three hints i'm not going anymore listen you got the answer okay uh look them up look these guys up and you'll get the answer correct I got so, another if you, hint. so if you're the first one to email me billy at talking boxing t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com with the right answer you win the prize what 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 if I'm not uh, mistaken, you can correct me. And it doesn't have to do with age being of acquired, attained, older age because young Stribling died at a young age, didn't he? Yes, he did, 28 years old. Young. So that that is another thing to consider. 
there had to be something done before the age of 28 that was so unique. Not that they were so old to come back and do things. Yeah, like some well, fighters. Hey, before we go, a couple of things. We just got a uh, another uh, super chat, and there's been some discussions going on in the uh, uh, chat room. A lot of discussion over uh, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, and Johnston Brown has uh, give, sent us a super chat because he is officially betting um, Ali. And, and, you know, who's in the chat room, 50 and L is pounds, uh, that Anthony Joshua beats Wilder. Uh, so I, I wanted to get that out to make that uh, official. Um, you know, I, the, what I love about this, regardless of which side of the fence you're on, and thanks for the super chat, Johnson. You're, mother, you're the man. Um, regardless of which side of the fence you're on, the fact that we're talking about it, really indicates how important it is to to make this fight and you know as much as i feel that deontay wilder is a one-trick pony and i and i feel he is that one trick happens to be a very dangerous one with his punching power the saddest thing about this whole scenario is anthony joshua has such a powerful team behind him in terms of promotion they've made him a household name worldwide deontay wilder without his own uh, promotion tactics no one would even know who he is I mean he's an American heavyweight champion for God's sakes that's what and, I said and, that's and, why I said they should have been putting him on tour on talk well, shows and everything he else signed the, yeah, with, but, well this is why fighters need to need to realize who they sign with it's so important uh, to sign with the right guy and speaking of uh, signing with the right guy I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, one of my new fighters Serge Cadiz and uh, Serge uh, uh, definitely signed with the right guy. We're going to uh, move uh, my man Serge up. I've known him. He's been out of the ring for a little bit. You will see him campaign at super middleweight. He's currently a pro at 1-1. One and one. He resides in South Florida. Uh, keep an eye on him uh, because uh, we are going to uh, be merv- moving him right along. Serge Cadiz. Check him out. Um, one other thing I want to mention before I uh, give you guys uh, – uh, what happened on this day in boxing history is we've uh, I threw it out there about your, your thoughts uh, everybody uh, giving me your thoughts on how uh, many days a week we should do and everything else and I want to thank everybody for sending me uh, their opinions uh, via email via text uh, via phone calls uh, <clears throat> you can stop now um, you know the the truth of the matter is is uh, I have made a decision uh, we are going to maintain the five days a week. Uh, however, we may be cutting short um, a couple of those days. Uh, so rather than do two hours uh, a day, uh, we may do uh, uh, two hours, three days a week, and an hour or so uh, the other two days. So that's how I'm going to keep everybody happy, I think. But uh, anyway, that's a little uh, update for you. Uh, on that on this day in boxing history may 11th in 1936 Petey sarin wins a 15 round decision over freddie miller to win the nba world featherweight title took place in washington dc that is on this day in 1988 uh, kakor galaxy wins a 12 round decision over wilfredo vasquez to win the wba a world bantamweight title took playing in, uh, took place in bangkok 1988 sounds like yesterday sal but it's 30 it years does. ago 30 years ago you know, unbelievable, right? On this day in 1900, James Jeffries knocks out James Corbett 
in the 23rd round of a scheduled 25-round world heavyweight title fight. Jeffrey retains his world heavyweight title and improves to 14 wins, no losses, and two draws, and the fight took place on Coney Island in New York. On this day... Gentleman Jim Corbett? That would be him. On this day in 1981, Gentleman Jerry Cooney knocks out Kenny Norton in the first round to improve to 25-0 in their heavyweight fight that took place at Madison Square Garden. In New York City. Oh my gosh! I saw that fight. He hit him with a shot to the liver, crushing left hook to the liver. It was devastating. Body shot, right? It was. A, it was body, body shot. He he had Kenny Norton, and and you know what? I didn't really believe too much about what, what was being said about Jerry too much at that time, and I thought Kenny Norton was going to beat him, and he put Kenny Norton on the ropes, and he opened up with such a ex- excellent excellent delivery of a left hook right to Kenny Norton's liver. Bam! He put his body, his momentum behind it. I think he would have crushed a lot of guys that night with that shot. But, man, when Kenny Norton got hit with that shot, he folded in half, and he went down, and that was it. He should have used more hooks to the body against uh, Larry Holmes when he had his uh, world He should have. No, he should have. He should have. There was no reason why he shouldn't have. You know, Jerry Cooney, Jerry Cooney, I'll, uh, I'll tell a quick story real, real fast before I give the last uh, thing to happen. Um, but uh, Jerry Cooney, uh, you know, was, uh, let's face it, he was the great white hope. Everybody thought he was going to win. I mean, he had this uh, uh, move to the top, et cetera, et cetera. And I wasn't a big Larry Holmes fan uh, because of, you know, the, the crying and uh, complaining that Larry did. I've, I've since learn to respect uh his accomplishments uh but i was real ticked off at at jerry for losing that fight and i'll never forget i was in long island i, I was out out on the uh, out on the island uh in the hamptons or or uh you know way out uh, past the hamptons uh, I, and and uh i was in this pizza i went into this pizza place and uh you know we're ordering some some food or whatever and uh, all on the walls, plastered all over the walls, Jerry Cooney. Jerry Cooney's everywhere, you know. And and I started talking on, on uh, you know, at the table, you know. And I'm going, ah, Jerry Cooney, Jerry Cooney, what a fraud, what a blah, 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 blah. I mean, just bad-mouthing <laughs> poor Jerry Cooney, who who I love. I mean, you know, I was just so upset. It was more because of the money I lost on it. But uh, all of a sudden, the, the guy comes from behind the counter, and he goes, uh, hey, listen, you got to get out of here. And I said, what? And he says, I said, we didn't even finish the pizza. He says, leave the pizza right there. Don't worry about the bill. Get the hell out of here. I'm like, what What, what happened? I said, what? And he says, yeah, we, we don't want to hear any negative talk about Jerry Cooney. I said, you're throwing us out of here because of Jerry Cooney? He says, they can stay. You got to go. And, and, and I go, what's the problem? I said, the guy lost me a ton of money. He goes, he owns this place. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I was good. like, oh I no! You were gonna say he 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 just walked through the back door? No, no, no. I guess it, I guess he had owned the place. I don't know, man. But uh, whether whether it was true or not, we we were, you know, uh, escorted escorted out of that place. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I it was the Hamptons. It was out in the Hamptons. It wasn't Montauk. I, I didn't go all the way to the end. It was it was in the Hamptons. I was doing something out there. But uh, anyway, I think it was called. It was called uh, Three Mile Harbor, maybe, or, or Bar yeah, Harbor, something I, I like that. I might have been there. I remember I used to take yeah. some rides. It was a pizza place I went to uh, a while ago. But there. anyway, on this day, May 11th in 1848, nah, 
I wasn't born, but my man Coach was. I think that was Coach's birthday. But uh, uh, on this day, May 11th in 1848, Tom Cripp, who was considered the first world heavyweight champion when he defeated my man, Tom Molino, in December of 1810, died on this day in England. He was either 66 or 68 years old, uh, according to multiple uh, uh, sources and uh, Tom Cribb uh, actually the pub that he, uh, he he was presented with a cup that says the champion of England that was his nickname the champion of England uh, to his dying day and the club the bar the pub that he owned in England is still in operation today uh, at the same location and all of that amazing stuff uh, and that's what makes Europe so uh, intriguing uh, the history and the length of longevity that uh, Europe uh, has uh, sustained even throughout all the world wars and stuff is is simply amazing but uh, make no mistake Tom Molino won that first fight he was robbed wow. but, uh, anyway wow. hey listen boys and girls make sure you uh, watch the fights this weekend there's some great ones and do not no matter what miss Vasily Lomachenko no. against Jorge Linares this is going to be a classic and we can't wait to talk about this fight come Monday morning. So uh, with that, I'll leave you with this. Make sure you tune in Monday morning for the Vasily Lomachenko and Jorge Limenez uh, post-fight show right here. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.